Abu Dhabi for 2023. Welcome to the Forecast F1 podcast. This is our final episode. And Anton, how do you feel after this weekend? A tad sad that the season is over, both the uh, Formula One season and the forecast season. But um, but it's been a great season, to be honest, and uh, <laughs> already looking forward to the next one. Right. I know it's it's a little bittersweet, isn't it? I think that it, although the season is ending and it's probably nice for everyone to have a little break, the fact that we're not going to see anything F1 related when it comes to races for the next, what, 97 days, I believe. It is a little you've, sad. You've actually counted them down already. I, I didn't do that yet. But, uh, I but sure did. Cool. Yeah. We're, we're starting the season a little bit earlier next year because I think it's uh, the season starting on the last weekend of February. I think the, yeah. uh, or the first day of, of March is the first race in Bahrain. So at least it's not such a long wait. But um, yeah, but uh, I guess most of the teams are ready for, um, yeah, for a bit of rest. And probably so are the drivers. So... Good for them, sad for us, but um, yeah, we had a last... Uh, well, what did you think about the race itself, Sam? Uh, I thought that uh, there were a few shining moments. I thought the final lap there was probably the most thrilling part of the race itself and seeing who was going to end up securing the second spot for the constructors. Uh, overall, wasn't a big surprise of course that max secured the win for the final race and truly was a reflection of the entire season in terms of his success i believe he only uh he did not win three races in this entire season so that's a pretty big accolade for not only himself but for the team of red bull because obviously securing the constructors and their successful run for 2023 but ultimately I thought the race was entertaining at times. And um, I mean, the thing about Abu Dhabi is, is that you, you typically don't see outside of 2021, which we all know about most of us. Uh, you don't see a lot of overtaking attempts, but, uh, but I think that it was, it was a, it was a good way to sign off for the year. What were your thoughts? Agreed. I think it was not the most spectacular race of the season, but there were a couple of um, couple of interesting things. You just already mentioned uh, the final battle there between Ferrari and um, Mercedes, which was which was cool. Uh, I think um, it was very nice to see Tsunoda make that one stop work. Uh, I think he had a had a great weekend, and uh, I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about him a little bit. And um, well, uh, I think. There were a couple of other things that we could talk about. Uh, for example, that uh, little time penalty that uh, Perez got. Um, all in all, yeah, uh, decently entertaining race. Um, and um, yeah, uh, like you were saying, I think it, it, it sums up uh, the season of Red Bull. I think uh, Verstappen wasn't challenged. And um, I think that is the story of the season. Uh, like you said, um, he only failed to win three races. And those were won by his teammate in uh, Saudi Arabia and in Azerbaijan and then of course we had that one little outlier of Carlos Sainz in Singapore but um, but I think yeah Verstappen race pretty much sums it up for the whole season which on the one hand um, made that this season was perhaps not always the most spectacular at the front of the race um, but um, let's not take anything away from from all the records that he did break and besides that I think behind 
what happened for the, the the run for first place we saw a lot of exciting things this season we saw teams being very close to one another i think the last race exemplifies that where we still had a lot of battles for um for driver positions for team positions um so that does excite me um, and that's one of the reasons why i'm looking forward to to the next season but um yeah, uh, let's just talk a little bit about a couple of those highlights from this race. What did you make of um, what did you make of that um, little fight between Perez and Norris? What did you initially think? Um, would you th- <laughs> would you have thought that Perez would have been penalized like that, like he did get his penalty? Um, How do you? What was your point of view? Well, I laugh because I I like how you preface the the first part of that question was what did you initially think? Because to be honest, when I looked, when it first happened, it was very difficult to assess who was at fault or if anybody was at fault for that matter. And initially I I wasn't so certain that, that Lando had given him room. But then obviously when you go back and see the replay, to be honest, and I don't even think that there should have been a penalty. I think it was more of just a racing incident. I mean, it's such a fine margin. Do I think that Perez maybe could have could have hugged the corner a little bit more? Yeah, maybe. But at the same time, they're both they both were fighting for spot. I don't really think one was too much ahead of the other. So, in my opinion, I would have I would have chalked it up to more of a racing incident. However, he did take the five second penalty, and interestingly enough that really defined the placement of the constructors between Ferrari and Mercedes, ultimately. What were your thoughts? Yeah, similar. I also went back and forth uh, between... I think the camera angles weren't great at the beginning, so that was why it was also difficult to make out. I understand why they gave him that penalty. Uh, they could have let it go as a, as a racing incident as well for me. Um, I do think if it would have been further towards the outside of the corner, then it would have been pushing off by Perez. He took a straight, he didn't turn the corner in. So I do, I, I kind of understand. But you're right, that definitely played into the latter part of the race where we saw a quite exciting battle, uh, mostly between uh, then Perez, Russell and Leclerc with Leclerc falling back, letting Perez pass, which actually he did only on the last lap. I thought it might have been better if he would have done it earlier. Um, he could have tried to hold up Russell a little bit more than he actually did and they didn't manage to to uh, make that gap that was what was happening at the front of the at the front end of the race at the same time we had of course uh, Hamilton fighting to move up the points he um, he almost overtook Tsunoda he actually did overtake Tsunoda but then he had a little snap himself and uh, Tsunoda recovered I thought that was very exciting as well at the same yes. time we had Carlos Sainz who who finished 18th but um, that was also quite peculiar because in the end he um, he had to take another pit stop to change to a different compound not because he hadn't had any pit stop yet he did make a pit stop actually after lap 23 24 but he went from hard to hard and um, and uh, that was somewhat surprising for me I understand if he would have gone to mediums he would have had to pit as well um, on the other hand um, yeah, if you, uh, I don't know, he, I guess he was waiting for a final safety car or, or virtual safety car. Um, I understand that. But um, yeah, if you if you pit for the same tire, you're not give, giving yourself that flexibility to uh, to go to the end of the race. Um, right. Because, uh, yeah, um, he kind of kind of lost it there. Um, he didn't have the best of races. He didn't have the best of qualifyings either already on the Saturday. Yeah, he also had, I think he struggled this entire weekend because even during practice, he had that nasty 
Yeah, of course. Uh, exactly. Let's not forget about that. So that's, that's, you're right. Yeah, him and Hulkenberg uh, sort of messed up FP FP two, uh, which which actually played a little bit into the week, which made it exciting because FP one is during a uh, during daytime, which is not very representative of um, of the of the race nor the qualifying because track temperatures are a little bit higher than they are during qualifying in the race. So you know people don't usually put too much effort into fp1 in abu dhabi also we had a lot of reserve drivers or rook drivers who were in i think it was maybe nine or ten different cars um so a lot of drivers didn't even have fp1 times and then fp2 was basically a session of um well, didn't really make a an actual count but i don't think it lasted for much longer than than 50 minutes of actual uh, good track time for most of the drivers so um, you know, little time for getting the setup right, which usually, as we've seen with a lot of sprint weekends, is quite exciting. But um, yeah, in this case, actually, uh, mostly meant that Sainz had a, had a very difficult weekend. Actually, I just mentioned there that uh, sprint weekends uh, and, and having little setup time, I think they actually announced that they're going to change uh, sprint setup. Is that uh, for next season? Is that right? Did you see that? Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna change up the times that the sprint takes place. I believe in over the qualifying. So I, I think that that we'll we'll see if that improves. I imagine that I mean when you're having the sprint involved on a race weekend, you're still gonna have roughly the same amount of time setup time for your car. But at the same point, I think that it may help with the confusion of the standings because we've talked about it in the past. Just simply, when you have qualifying, then you have the following day the sprint shootout the sprint then you're back to the race it can get a little muddled in terms of where you think drivers are supposed to be positioned on the grid was that for the sprint was that for the race so uh it'll be interesting to see how it plays out with the new format and yeah because we're gonna do if i'm not mistaken we're gonna do free practice session then we qualify for the sprint we do on the saturday the sprint and saturday afternoon we do the quality for the race and then on sunday we have the race right right Right, right. So the sprint, the sprint shootout, and the sprint will take place prior to quali. Yeah. So I'm just, I'm just kind of uh, curious whether that will mean that a lot of drivers will not really risk too much in the sprint again because of having qualifying on the same day. And you know, if you, if you, if you completely wreck your car, you're, you might not pl- have time to repair it to, to do qualifying for the race. So that's the only. Other than that, I'm quite excited because this actually gives us bit more of a chronological order and well I should know but that's a very but (laughs) (laughs) you do but uh but that's a that's a very very good (laughs) but that's a very good point that you bring up that I actually wouldn't have thought of is the fact that if you're having the sprint and qualifying on the same day that yeah it would I wonder I wonder the time difference obviously the the gap in time between the sprint and qualifying but regardless of that you may you may have a situation where drivers may be a little more safer in the sprint so I I never thought about that but that's a really good important point to bring out and and we're going to see I, I believe that they also took away the the tire specifics for the sprint qualify uh, sprint shootouts if I'm correct yeah, I think so. Uh, yeah, and the trials so, they so did, I don't think, are going to be... Yeah, exactly. So they're going to... It's going to be... Um, yeah, well, I mean, in the end, we're going to see how it's going to go, both with the format and, um, you know, I don't think... I mean, they might still make some changes to um, to 
entire specific formats or whatever but uh, we'll, we'll see about that I'm, I'm at least and i think we we touched upon it previously i'm glad that we're not gonna see a separate sprint championship i, I wasn't very excited about that idea so um yeah but i guess like you just said we'll see next season and um um, that's something to look forward to and, and, and I guess they'll try to tweak things around a little bit until they find the right format uh, and we're always going to have people who are um, opposed to it and people who are you know, very excited about it um, both amongst drivers and amongst fans I think there's a there's in the end you know there's it is what it is um, and, and uh, I guess you just have to look at it uh, there's more bonus points to be had in the forecast game as well uh, because of the sprints <laughs> which is kind of exciting it, it changes things up right yes. so let's yes. let's keep a positive mindset yeah and uh they haven't released where the sprints are going to be held i believe as of yet on the calendar so i am excited and there's there's a there's a part of me that would love obvious for obvious reasons uh, if this if a sprint is held in Canada, because I will be able to be there to watch it. So uh, let's cross our fingers. But other than all the um, things of next season, let's uh, still look a little bit back at the current season that we've had. Uh, Sam, I believe you've done a little write-up of, of things that you um, that you think stand out for this uh, for this 2023 season is that right well you know what I just wanted to go over a few performances let's say as for drivers and for teams as a whole just a few light touches and one of them I would say is uh, strengths amongst development in cars and maybe those that have fallen back a little bit so we saw a uh, we've we've touched on this previously but we saw a considerable jump for mclaren i believe that they had the most significant improvements over this season starting at the back of the grid and finishing overall in the constructors in fourth which was a tremendous recovery over this season and then interestingly enough you had just finishing below them aston martin who was a team that started off incredibly strong and for Alonso, actually, this was one of his best results in a considerable period of time overall for the driver's standings. But dating back to the team itself, they started off very strong and they burned out along the way through the developments that they had. They just seemed to lose a significant amount of pace. And Alonso actually came on the radio at one point discussing that in this race that just took place uh, in Abu Dhabi, talking about the fact that their straight line speed was an extreme challenge. I mean, he used different words in that radio message. I'm paraphrasing here, but the fact that it, it was something that they were having a lot of difficulty with. So ultimately for them to finish in was, fifth... Uh, I was surprised there was no uh, GP2 engine reference, but uh, it was uh, along the <laughs> same lines. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so to finish in fifth, uh, coming out on top and actually for the first I would say if if my memory serves me well for the first relatively third of this season they were number two in the constructors so that is a significant drop when you when you consider how well they were doing at the start of the season 
Um, I, would I would say how, mostly how well Alonso was doing. I think your Canadian friend has scored uh, <laughs> fewer points during this season. So I think Fair. that was one of their... I oh think yes. if both drivers would have performed at the same level, they would have uh, stayed uh, a little bit um, higher up in the ranking for a little bit longer. But um, but uh, yeah, agree with sorry, you on I, that. I wasn't trying to bash uh, <laughs> your your favorite driver here. So uh, that's, oh, that's okay. yeah. But other than that, I think it was a good assessment. <laughs> okay, and then um, actually, since we're on the topic of teams that have uh, d that that seem to fall back over the year, over the actual over the entire year. Uh, I would also mention Haas because they didn't really have any upgrades. They seemed to bring a little bit of an upgrade package towards the end of the season, but I mean, it really didn't do much. It appeared in terms of anything in their overall performance. And I, once again, they seem to actually decrease as a whole in terms of their improvements. So other teams that I would say to make mention of as a whole would be Mercedes. Mercedes seemed to... I don't know. I, I I think this is one where I would I would push I would question an opinion on your end because for me I feel like Mercedes had a lot of ups and downs this season and uh, there were some races where they did uh, they did they show showcase themselves as their strength and some of the upgrades that really played a part as a result and and also some really smart team moves and solid drives from both Hamilton and Russell and then there were other weekends where they seemed in some respects to fall apart like what was your thought when it comes to that I, I think in general their car is not as bad as many make believe that it is uh, but I think it's quite it's up and down and that's like you were referring to uh, in some races they were quite all right some circuits they were good and that's what I feel a little bit with their car uh, it's it's quite track specific where you have and that's the biggest gap towards Red Bull. They, they seem to be good at, well, perhaps with the exception of, of Singapore, but they seem to be good at every track. And with Mercedes, it's up and down. And um, and I think both drivers, I mean, Russell, this race, uh, finishing on the podium, uh, Hamilton has, has finished on the podium several times. I think uh, they have a great driver pairing, so that pushes their car to the very best. Um, and it's... I guess we're just very used to seeing Mercedes perform at the very highest step uh, of the uh, of the ladder, and uh, we just haven't seen exactly that for the last two seasons. So our bar of expectations also set slightly higher than it is for some of the other teams. But if you would make a comparison with, for example, the Aston Martin, I think at this point in time, um, the, I would say the Mercedes is still a, a better car than than the Aston Martin, for instance. So um, yeah, uh, where are they compared to Ferrari? Of course, they were having the battle with Ferrari towards the end of the season. Um, they outscored them, but um, uh, that doesn't mean that they necessarily have a better car. I think the Ferrari overall is a little bit better, um, higher grip levels, higher top speeds. Uh, I think you see that on a lot of tracks on this calendar, uh, top speed. Obviously, it's a well, it's a it's a competition about speed, isn't it? In the end, so if you have um, if you have problems there, I think um, Alpine is another team that doesn't have the same uh, high speed uh, as, as some of the other teams. Y you tend to struggle a little bit more. So I think the Ferrari overall is a better car, but they have a lot of tire degradation. Um, I think Mercedes has uh, slightly less of a problem with that. Other than that, they're quite 
uh, uh, co consistent in the terms of um, like they don't have a lot of component failures um, so that speaks to the advantage as well of Mercedes you know it's it's a bit of um, they're, they're again like we were saying earlier we see that quite a lot of cars are quite close together but they have different specifics so some are better at this some are better at, at, at other things and uh, Mercedes just find themselves in a battle with a couple of teams that, they, that they're not used to battle with um, they used to be there uh, up front another team going past the different teams um, what I would like to say is um, I'm, I'm very very happy to see a small resurgence of Williams um, yes. who've had a much better season than they've had for the past couple of years I think um, and um, if you look at the two different drivers I think we can all agree that Sargent hasn't performed at the level of um, at the level of uh, album I think um, uh, it's the only driver that has outscored uh, his teammate during the whole season during all the qualifying sessions so that mm -hmm. sort of speaks for itself um, imagine if you would have somebody of the same caliber as, as Albon uh, as the second driver um, I think we can all agree that Williams have done a much better job than they have done in previous years and they even even with just that one driver really performing um, they've outscored a few of the other teams at the back which I think is a is a good good end result for the end of the year i'm actually quite curious because i think there was a lot of rumor of um seeing a confirmation of the seat of sergeant around the las vegas weekend but we haven't really heard about that so does that mean we have a vacant seat for 2024 or doesn't it I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I was starting to raise questions as well. I mean, the longer that time goes on before they announce that he has, that his seat is secured for him, then is it secure? I don't know. I mean, do we believe that he deserves the seat? I think it's up in the air. He is a rookie and uh, it, it's not, I mean, the, the expectations are high when you're competing against somebody like Albin especially he's he's had a lot more years of experience as an F1 driver and also in high pressured situations let's not forget he was a second driver for Red Bull so he's experienced what it's like to be in the pressure cooker and and understand what it what it needs to be done um, that is a significant advantage for him on a mental side and so for Sargent I think a lot of the some of the issues that he's faced over this season played a part into the the mental strength or the mental fortitude that you need to be able to handle the pressure of the environment and of uh, being on point when you're when it's time to be so I think for him it's it's questionable because if you take into account that he is a rookie and you take into account that he has had towards the end of the season a few more you've seen a little bit of an improvement in some areas and then in a lot of areas he also hasn't uh just even during qualifying he he failed to actually secure a decent lap because of the fact that both his times were track times were deleted so i don't know i think that maybe if he hasn't secured the seat as of yet it's probably because they were waiting right down to the wire to see the performance and and maybe they hadn't made up their minds as of yet as well so let's see uh, if he doesn't and that seat is vacant the question would then be who takes his spot yeah and I, I, I think um, 
one of the things I don't know is, of course, how much um, economic uh, ripple effect Sargent has. How many sponsors does he bring in? I guess that's um, one thing that the team needs to look at. But I don't know. If you could make a deal with, um, let's say, um, Red Bull to, to have uh, Lawson drive for you for, for one year or perhaps with uh, Mercedes to have uh, Frederick Vesti in the car for a year um, and be paid to have him there, um, maybe that can bring in the same amount of money or perhaps slightly less. But then again, you have a driver that might score a few more points than Sargent did this year. And right. um, I think Williams this year can see the benefit of that. I mean, they um, they just outscored Alfa Tauri by a little bit um, and uh, also Alfa Romeo and Haas. So um, I'm, I'm pretty sure that because if you look at the gap, for example, from seventh to sixth, that's quite large. Alpine has 120 points. Williams ended with 28, um, just three points ahead of Alfa Tauri. But it brings in a lot of cash. So um, on the one hand, yes, I understand that cash flow wise, if you have a driver at the beginning of the se season that brings in money, um, that's 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 a very good thing. But um, but if you do have that room in your budget for um, uh, having a driver that perhaps brings in a little bit less money, but brings in a little bit more prize money at the end of the season. Um, yeah, uh, that I don't know. That's 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 <laughs> something they got to have to look at at Williams. I can't tell for them but uh, I would like to see somebody next to Albon that's a little bit more competitive I do think Sargent might perform slightly better in his second season than he does in his first but then again if we're all completely honest do you think that the amount of pressure actually um, goes off his shoulder if he would be in that car for another year I personally doubt it I think the pressure would still be there Mm -hmm. um, so I don't know but I guess we'll wait and see uh, we might actually hear quite soon what's going to happen on that end yeah, yeah, we we will at some point, that's for sure. And uh, like I said before, we only have 97 days until the start of next season. So either way, uh, maybe we'll hear something after the Christmas break. Yeah. So why don't we talk, uh, I think we've covered quite a bit, actually one team that I think we should just mention really briefly when it comes to probably the most dramatic situations that have occurred this year would be Alpine. Uh, dramatic in the sense of Otmar leaving the team, still questionable as to a secure team principal position. A lot of questions about uh, management as a whole for the team and the strategy that the team has for the development of it. We saw new investors taking place towards the end of this season. We saw Pierre and Ocon in some moments having uh, a little uh, expressing their own personal frustrations <laughs> on and off the track in some cases. And a lot of that had to do with the performance of the car and strategy. So what do we think the future holds moving forward? Do we think that with the new investors that have taken place, uh, that have been put in place, do we think that that may help pave a more maybe a more bright future for Alpine going into 2024 or do we still believe that the foundation is a little bit shaky I do not have an answer to that question but what I can tell you <laughs> is that what I am excited by in the case of Alpine is that they actually have two drivers who I can still not tell at the end of this season who's the better driver out of the two of them uh, ahead of the season I spoke about that with quite a couple of people I think we had a couple of polls on the forecast F1 Instagram as well um, I think actually most people favored Gasly at that point in time right. um, myself I thought 
Ocon would have a slight edge. I think Ocon has been um, a bit more unlucky during the season. But regardless of the final points that they score, I think it's still very, very close between the two of them. And um, and that excites me because, you know, I do uh, stand in awe for a team like Red Bull. And I think they've had a, 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 a well, I think there's there's not enough words to describe their season. But then again, as a neutral fan uh, watching Formula One, I'm more excited by the driver pairings where it's very hard to tell uh, which ones of the driver is the better driver. So I think yeah. Alpine is a team where I purely have, I, I have very much a difficult time to tell which of those two drivers. And then in a lot of other cases, I think, you know, uh, Charles and Carlos are also uh, a pretty close driver pairing. Um, right. For me, it's tough to tell between Hulkenberg and Magnussen, who's the better one. There's more, but with all of them, mm-hmm. I slightly uh, have a sort of urge towards one of them. And I just cannot tell between Pierre and Esteban. Um, uh, but um, yeah, that's something that excites me about Alpine. And I do think it's kind of cool that they have an all French team, um, even though now a lot of the new investors are coming from from other places. But it's, it's actually, I, I find it, yeah, um, I, I, I sort of, I think they're not operating at the highest performance level at this point in time. They also have a lot of issues and struggles with the car, with the engine. Um, but still, it's, it's yeah, one of these things that excites me about Formula One is when it's, it's hard to tell where or which way it's going to go. And, and in their case, it's definitely uh, in, in, in all sorts of areas, that's definitely the case with them. Yeah, I, I agree. I think the driver pairings are, are what really brings a lot of excitement for that team and for others. Uh, speaking about drivers themselves, this year we saw a few rookies be introduced into the F1 grid for 2023. And we already touched a little bit on Sargent, but what about Piastri? I mean, he seemed to have a pretty fantastic overall result for this year, don't you think? Oh, I, I, I completely agree. How Did he finish ninth or 10th in the overall... Um in the overall standings he finished ninth right and if you think about it you know the first half or at least the first few races of the season he was not in the most competitive car Um, he scored his first points in his home race which was very exciting and um, he actually finished 10th also in in Monaco which was quite a good result for him but only since he really had the updates at Silverstone of course it was Norris who already had the updates in Austria but um, yeah, since he had those updates, he's been consistently finishing in the points. I think um, the only two races after Silverstone that he didn't finish in the points were um, were in Monza and uh, he DNF'd in uh, in Austin. But um, yeah, great season for him. He really proved his worth. I think going into the season, a lot of people were slightly uh, had a negative vibe around him just because of the reason how he left Alpine and how he kicked out fan favorite Daniel Ricciardo and McLaren although he, he didn't personally kick him out um, I believe but um, I, I felt somewhat of a negative vibe and um, I think uh, for those following Oscar since um, since his um, younger years in, in, in other uh, in other formulas and other competitions I think he's always proven uh, that he uh, was you know the, the top in his in his league the top in his age um, uh, group and, and yeah I, I think he's proving yet again that um, 
you know, he's so calm and he's so not mm -hmm. just, I mean, people also um, have commented how calm he is over the radio, but not just in the radio. I mean, if you see, for example, today's race where he was challenged uh, laps, lap after lap by, by Russell, of course, in the end, he, he didn't finish ahead of Russell. But uh, the way he races, uh, he keeps a calm head and he does what's best. He makes good decisions in the car. Um, I'm, I'm extremely impressed. And I think that if you can have this level of performance in your rookie year, then well it's 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 only up to the imagination to 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 guess where he's gonna run into in in the rest of his career because if if you ask me he he's one of those that has that that special little um yeah aura around him when he's in the car it's just just it's great to watch yeah i absolutely agree i think that there are certain drivers that you see on the track uh previously in history and and currently that just have a, a, a unique spark to them, a, a quality that, 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 that gives you the confidence that you could see them as a world champion or what has made them, has, has been a huge part of what's made them a world champion. And I think that he has that. And to say that in your first year, uh, after seeing what he's done so far, it's a pretty high bar to, to set. And I think you've touched on that in terms of his composure. That's That's one thing that he seems to have that is is such a rarity at, at an age that is, he's at a young age and he's at a time where he's really just getting getting started and so to have already the composure that he does in these situations and be performing at the level that he is I mean one other thing that I would mention that I find as a highlight over this year was of course his success in the sprint race but that weekend as a whole i found really interesting because you also saw him competing against max uh, on the grid and and you saw him making well-timed smart decisions and also being brave about it i mean sometimes if if you're a rookie driver and you're on the track competing <laughs> battling wheel to wheel against max verstappen and you're still able to maintain a level head and be able to throw your elbows out. I mean, that speaks a lot to his confidence as a driver. And uh, and and again, I would have no doubts also the composure that, that it takes as well. So I think those are really important qualities that make up a world champion. And I agree. I think that the future is really bright. I think, again, when it comes to McLaren moving forward into 2024, this is another team that I'm really excited to see how this plays out when it comes to the driver pairings of course the car as well but the driver pairings when it comes to mclaren is i think going to be something that has the potential to be one of the most exciting competitive battles that we're going to see and in contrast when it comes to lando obviously he is very successful and talented in his own right but the difference between him and Oscar, I would say, when it comes to more of high-pressured situations is there are times where Lando is a little more emotional, whereas Oscar at least appears to be more methodical. So if they, if they come, if it becomes a lot more tighter and that window and driver standings becomes a lot, there we got that gap shortens between the two of them and the driver standings next year, it's really going to be interesting how that is communicated between the two of them so it'll be exciting and uh, going a little bit back into what you were just mentioning battling it out on track with Verstappen I think uh, I think that kind of segues way into <laughs> the last bit of reviewing the season which I think we cannot leave untouched 
is um, looking a little bit at some of the records of um, uh, which Red Bull and Verstappen have broken during the season. And I think yeah. to, uh, from my point of view, to summarize the whole thing, because I think throughout the season we've spoken about it a lot, obviously because some of the records were broken during the season. And I think a lot of people have... Um, already opinionated on uh, on most of these records and i think that um they are very much well if you if you look at the records that he did break uh, i think a lot of them are um uh, very much amazing on the other hand um, they're always uh, being debated by people who say that yeah we have more races in a year so it's slightly easier to break certain records like uh, the ones he did break with most wins in a season which was previously held by him as well um, in the previous season he, he broke that record uh, most points in the season most consecutive wins in the season most podiums in the season most um, wins from from Paul actually I think he also took and most laps led actually um, so all of these all of these records uh, I do agree do become easier to break when you have more races during a season but I think um, the highlights of those records are the ones where we look at percentages well when we look at the highest win percentage of a season or the highest percentage of uh, laps led uh, I think those do not become easier to break when you have more races in the season and he did break those records as well so I think those for me personally are the ones that are a little bit easier to I don't want to compare uh, drivers from from different eras I think there's already lots of people who do that or try that or who come to the conclusion that it's very difficult to do so um, but then again the percentage um, records are slightly easier to compare and they are very 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 impressive if you ask me and um, I don't know if you have your own thoughts on that Sam but um, yeah do share yeah, I think that, well, <laughs> one thing's for certain is that is that you and I normally share the same thoughts when it comes to these things. <laughs> so I, I think that there's no denying the absolute domination, of course, that Red Bull and Max has had. But as as a driver, I think that his uh, he's broken a lot of records in a, this year. There's no doubt about that. And that also that also attributes to the skill that he has as a driver and the tenacity and the discipline so it'll again going into you know we fast forward into 2024 and it'll be let's see if there's going to be more of a tight battle for the top spot and i and and i think that uh with more pressure will uh will come more of a of an ability to see more of his strengths when it comes to wheel-to-wheel -wheel racing. I mean, the one thing that Max definitely does, is, or he's known for, is his aggressive strategy on the track. And I think that that also is what's helped secure him the wins and uh, secured him his consistent wins and his accolades that we're talking about today is the fact that his mindset is something that plays a huge part into how he drives on the track. He's aggressive. He doesn't give up. I mean, we we saw even in the race that just took place with him and Leclerc off the start. I mean, he there was no way that he was giving his position up. And so he definitely has, we, we touched on Piastri with the, the little bright lights, let's say, that, that, that are important qualities that some drivers have that, that show the strengths or, or why they are or could be world champions. 
for Max, that's that's a huge element of it. I think is is his aggressive driving skills and his his laser like focus, his tunnel vision into nothing more than just winning. And uh, and so, fast forward into twenty twenty four. Like I said, let's see what happens when there's more pressure. We saw twenty twenty one. What happened when he had he was competing against one driver uh, that seemed to have a similar car and uh, was the closest in terms of battling with him for that title. But going into 2024, I think more interestingly, if we see teams like Ferrari come even stronger once again, if we see Mercedes in that conversation, if we see McLaren and obviously with now the secondary driver of Piastri being added to the mix to strengthen uh, McLaren. If we see Aston Martin turn around with Alonso in that seat, like there's so many potential competitors that could also add more pressure to Max. And um, it's, I think, I think this year, I just have a, I have a really good feeling about 2024 as being a very exciting season to watch. And so if Max is under all of that pressure and he still manages to secure the world title, that's also going to be, I mean, can you imagine what we'd be saying then? Well, I think that's already a lot of nice foresight and speculation into the 2024 season, but um, not until we review the Forecast F1 2023 season, which has come to an end together with, well, uh, yeah, what we have watched for a year long. Um, cars racing in circles and people predicting the outcome. Cars racing in circles. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> I think that's how a lot of people that don't watch Formula One look at Formula One, right? Uh, yeah, I've heard it a few times. I've definitely heard it. <laughs> They're not always circles. I mean, Suzuka is an eight-figure, isn't it? So you can't really say they race in circles there. Uh, I don't know. I, I name one track this year that was just well, a circle. Well, they're not perfect circles. Okay, all right. <laughs> okay. Let's move away from this discussion <laughs> and let's actually look at uh, at some of the scores. Um, so we had 540. Okay, this is actually an interesting one. I thought there was 546 people playing the game, but my system didn't account for the one person who scored zero points this weekend. Um, so there was actually 547 people who played the game. Just yeah, one person failed to score points, so it wasn't counted uh, when I was doing my uh, summaries. But yeah, 547 people playing the game. Average score of 51.2 points. Very nice. We had a podium of uh, Verstappen, Leclerc, Russell. How many people do you think, Sam, got that podium predicted as it was? I'm going to say a low number, and I'm going to go with 14. Oh, that's a good guess. That's a good guess. It was 10 people. Oh, yeah. really? So um, 10 people. Uh, too bad I don't have anyone competing with me this, this week, huh? Well, uh, <laughs> that's not true. Because actually, um, at the beginning of the weekend, I have set a separate page aside for the results of every driver and how many people predicted that correctly. And I haven't looked at it myself. So you're going to have to trust me there. But honestly, oh, I haven't I like looked. This. So I did make a preliminary list for myself of what I think. And um, we're going to have to do the guessing. And then after we've both done the guessing, we're going to have a look at what the actual results were. So uh, honestly, I have no idea. I love you've it. You've had a year to practice. And um, 
I've had a year to look at how these things play out and turn out. So uh, we're going to see who's going to win the final round of the season, but not before we look at the podium of this week's Forecast F1. So we had a winner from Algeria, Shakib Lazarek, who scored 85 points. He scored a correct podium. He predicted the correct podium. And he also had Alonso on P7 and Stroll on P10. So both Aston Martins on the right place. Scored a couple of points for Norris, Hamilton and Piastri. And yeah, that adds up to 85 for him. Very good score. And second is Mahmoud Ida from Nigeria, who scored only two fewer points. He ended up with 83 points. Had um, He also had Verstappen, Leclerc, Russell, Perez, all three in that correct order. Um, had Piastri on six and uh, Stroll on ten as well. Uh, scored some points for Norris and Alonso. And third is Geraldine Rocher from Mexico, scored 76.8 points. She too had a correct P1 up until P4 and scored some points for Hamilton, Norris and Alonso. And I believe she also had um, Verstappen on fastest lap. So that means that that is the last and final podium of this season. Congratulations. And um, congratulations. That yeah. That, to that actually means we don't have anybody in the in the high scores because I think the the lowest uh, perhaps that should be one thing we go through um, and look at the high scores, the worldwide top twenty of high scores for this season. Um, and the winner Yeah, well that too. But I wanna keep a little bit of um Suspense until suspense? we actually get to it. Yeah, okay. that's the uh, that's the idea of this. So um, let's <laughs> let's look at the high scores, the worldwide high scores, um, and it's actually interesting because, and this is something that we saw also last season. Most of these high scores were set during sprint weekends, so um, nobody was able to beat that score of Una Rakonjac from Serbia, uh, who scored 121.4 points during the Baku weekend. And personally, I don't think we will see somebody break that score until, well, we might have a different point system in Formula One or something, because honestly, the amount of points you can score during a sprint weekend is 138, if the point for fastest lap is actually handed out to the driver, um, because if it's not, you can't win it in the game either. But yeah, 138, so 121.4 points out of 138, I think is extremely impressive. And um, we have a P2 with Tobias Jolie, who was also um, running very high in the league throughout the season, who's been on P1 uh, between the race in Baku, where he actually scored his high score, 104.4 points, up until the Dutch Grand Prix. And then he lost his place to Jesus Diaz, who um, up until the last race was on P1. And we're going to see if he actually finishes there. Jesse Coro, who was on our podcast a couple of races ago, um, is third in the worldwide high scores. He scored 102.3 points during the Austrian weekend. So that's our podium for our worldwide high scores. And I think it's also uh, nice to mention that the highest score without predicting in the sprint weekend was that of Ataya Magviro in the Hungarian weekend. Um, he scored 92 points during that weekend. So only 10 points shy of the maximum score during a regular weekend. Uh, that if if that is if the highest or sorry the fastest lap point is is given out. So those are the winners of our um, yeah basically of our weekend high scores that we track throughout the season. But you already touched upon it, Sam. Um, it's it's indeed time to have a look at who 
takes away that uh, P1 price for um, for a one-year F1 TV Pro subscription. And um, well, it's been kind of coming. Uh, I think we've all seen that Jesus Diaz, since he took P1 during the Monza weekend, was um, was not very likely to give it away and um, indeed he did not give away his first point so he wins the forecast f1 2023 season with 1222 points congratulations awesome so result that's uh, i mean great i think it's uh yeah it's been a very very strong lead since that uh, monza grand prix he um, he finished um, once during the season on the podium. He uh, took a P3 in the in the Canadian Grand Prix, and um, yeah, he scored 47 points this weekend. Yeah, like I said, he took the lead from Tobias Joly from France, who actually finishes second. Um, he was still third after last race, but he he retakes that second position. He is 16.1 points behind our winner from Uruguay. Yeah, sad to see him not take that uh, win but I, I already spoke um, shortly to Tobias and he says um, he's um, he's pleased to steal my racing number for next year because uh, let's not forget <laughs> your final finishing position is your racing number for next year that's um, right that's I right. had that number two uh, this season but uh, Tobias will have it for next season and uh, he says he's going to come back stronger so um, that's a spirit uh, so I, I and he had a, a good spirit he had a great run he had yeah, a great he run for a oh, long time this year most definitely um actually uh, it was um, interesting to uh, to see that last uh, race battle because um diana was in second position uh, the diana milojevic from um, bosnia herzegovina she was in second position ahead of this uh, race and um, and she really did try to go with something else to um, to overtake tobias but it was it was going to be tough uh, to begin with, actually doing so, she uh, in the end she dropped quite a few places. Uh, she finishes on P7, so that means that um, the third step on the podium actually was still for grabs. And um, it's Nosan Limbu from Nepal who takes that third um, third position. I don't think he was on the podium earlier, but um, yeah, very strong end to the season. He actually scores um, 69 points in Brazil, 65 in Las Vegas, and 64 in this race, uh, which are all quite high point tally so um, yeah that that gives him the third place so um, that's our podium for the end of the year of course I only mentioned three people here but um, there was a lot of people who uh, who did very well who had some uh, great predictions some great scores and uh, uh, but from my point of view it was uh, it was very ex- exciting to see that battle it's been a really great season and to to think just uh, where it started and and where it is now and uh, how much it has grown and and overall there are there have been some pretty fantastic results for a lot of people on race weekends uh not myself <laughs> obviously but some really maybe not ajit as well hopefully maybe ajit <laughs> next year we, we talk about ajit often for his picks uh, maybe maybe ajit can come out strong in 2024 you never know but there has been some really, really great high moments altogether overall for Forecast F1. So congratulations to the podium. And uh, I look forward to next year and seeing maybe who we talk about at the end of the season. And, and Sam, you uh, mentioned your own points there. Um, but uh, yeah, but um, let's, let's review that a little bit. So what uh, podium yeah, did you go for we? this weekend? <laughs> let, me, let me ask you this. What, what first four <laughs> positions did you go with? You know, I I feel like I forgot. Um, Oh, oh. I I went with Max, 
Lando and Russell and Leclerc, I believe. Uh, no, actually, yeah, the first three are right, but you you put Perez on P4, so um, so. Oh right, credit right. So I was gonna pick Leclerc. Yeah, I, well, yes, and I I was gonna. Funny enough, I was gonna pick. I was debating between putting Perez lower down uh, as opposed to higher, but I feel like recently he's he's had this little bit of resurgence, so that gave me a little bit more confidence to move him up in my picks. So it paid off a bit. No, I actually put him on the second spot so i had the podium of verstappen perez leclerc um i so, knew um, you would i yeah. knew it i as but soon as i saw the finish i went oh anton's gonna beat me this week because i know he would have picked max and uh perez for one two yeah but um actually you did beat me because of uh, getting i mean I you got yeah because perez finished fourth so you got full points for that and um because of me putting leclerc third and not second yeah in the end you have yeah you have 56.8 points and i end up with 49 points so you beat me in this last race of the season good job yay well you know i a, a win is a win and i'll take it <laughs> but let's look a little bit at uh, our final classification so um that also determines as we mentioned the race number you have what was your race number for this year sam i believe it was 74 Yes, you finished 74th last season. And um, before the end of last, or sorry, after the Las Vegas race, you were in P76. So the question is, right. with those 56.8 points, did you beat your finishing position of last year? Do you think you did? I'm, I'm going to confidently say yes. And indeed you did. Woohoo! Okay, and how much did I move up? What's the final number for next year? You finish in P70, so you're going to have race number okay. 70 for next year, yeah. Um, nice. Yeah, myself, I dropped a little bit. I was in P46 after Las Vegas, but um, scoring only 49 points. Like I said, the average was 5.51.2, so I'm slightly below the average, which makes me drop to P52. So I'm number 52 for next season. Um, so I do still finish ahead of you, which I, I think I said at the beginning of the season was my main goal. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy with that being achieved. <laughs> it's a goal at least, uh, and, and you did achieve it. So you know, we'll see. Similar to Tobias, I'm gonna come back much stronger. I'm gonna go lick my wounds, come back and be ready to fight. <laughs> I think that's the right 97 spirit. 97 days and counting. That's the right spirit. And, and hopefully for some listening a couple of days later, after we're recording this, uh, it's, it's already less day. So, um, yeah, that's something to be uh, <laughs> mindful about. So, Sam, from how many different countries do you think we had people competing for Forecast F1 this season? I think during one of the podcast episodes, I marked when we passed the 100 different country mark. But um, with how many different countries did we end up, do you think? I'm going to say... 124 it was 126 different countries actually only during last race did we have somebody from Antigua and Barbuda playing which is a Caribbean island and thus country um, so yeah we had 126 different countries where people were playing from so that's well I think that's exciting for a worldwide competition which we definitely are um, let's look a little bit at the countries that scored the most amount of points so last season Lebanon won that competition um, beating the Netherlands this year do you know from which country the most combined points were scored I do and I believe it's Argentina 
Yeah, that's 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 indeed correct. We had uh, thirty-six thousand four hundred eighty-one points collected for Argentina, um, who by far outscore. Yeah, it's it's. <laughs> uh, I think we had somewhere during the season break where we had a lot of people from Argentina joining, and I think also a lot of people who asked friends and family to play, and that's definitely the way to go forward if you want your country to perform at the top level there in this game. Argentina won and second place uh, for a consecutive season in a row is the Netherlands. And actually, just before the last race, uh, Lebanon was still on that P2, but uh, uh, the Dutchies just overtook them uh, by a few points. So it's um, Argentina, Netherlands, Lebanon on the top step. But um, yeah, that's the total amount of points. Of course, um, I think it's also interesting to look at the um, yeah, the uh, average score per country. So which country? And I'm only counting. I'm not counting countries where there was just one guy playing two races. Um, I'm looking at those countries where actually a decent amount of people played. And when we look at the average scores, it's quite interesting to see that Saudi Arabia wins that battle um, with the highest average wow. score. At this point, I, I gotta actually look. I didn't write down exactly what their average score was, but it was 54.5 points. So um, that's 54.5 points on average per race weekend of all the players from Saudi Arabia. Well, um, that's consistent. That was yeah, it's very consistent. On second spot there, we have Zimbabwe. And on the third spot, we have Denmark. So, um, yeah, not a, high point uh, not a high point tally in total, but a very good average score for those countries. So, um, yeah, that sort of concludes the the scores for Forecast F1 for this, um, for this season. But not before, like we said, we played a quiz. And I play it with you, Sam, against you. Um, <laughs> this is the first time we're actually going to... You know, um, yeah, it's only fitting. Yeah, it's only it fitting is. that the last episode of the season that you and I battle for the results. So let's go. I'm ready. All right. So just for those, uh, for those who are listening for the first time or who don't really recall what this quiz is, basically we're gonna we're gonna guess how many people correctly predicted each finishing position. So we're gonna start with Verstappen, and um, I've written down the order here, uh, where Sam, you go first, and um, and I go after you so you can guess how many people had for stopping on p1 and just to remind you it was 547 people who played the game i am going to say 423 423 myself i've written down 490 um, we always ask our listeners or our uh, guests or well Sam's part of the furniture, not a guest, but um, we uh, asked to make a preliminary <laughs> list, but um, we can always adjust when we go along. Um, so, um, Sam, I've written down 423. I've written down for myself 490. And we move to P2 Leclerc. Um, I myself mm -hmm. have 105 people there who guessed Leclerc for that okay. second spot on the podium. I'm going to say 99. 99 all right that means we move to russell i think that's an interesting one we um, i think it's only the second time that russell was on the podium this season is that correct i believe so yes yeah i think the other race was uh was it's been a quite a while it was in barcelona for the spanish grand prix which was the was it the fifth or the sixth grand prix this this year so yeah it's been a while since he um since he was on the podium 
Right. Um, it was actually okay, the seventh so race. I'm counting now. Sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. How many people? <laughs> I'm going to go with 27. 27. I've written down 35. So I'm going to stick with 35. Oh, we're close. Um, okay. Yeah. Which brings us to Pires. There I'm struggling a little bit. I've written down 60, but I might just move that up. I'm going to say 65. All right. Okay. Okay. I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to go a little higher and say 78. Yeah, that's probably, that's probably a good guess. If I'm thinking about it, I should, well, I'm going to stick to 65. But too I late now. Yeah, <laughs> I am too late. I am too late. All right. Okay. You go ahead with, uh, Nuss, uh, with Nussel. <laughs> that's a combination of <laughs> Russell and Norris. Um, and it was the latter one that I wanted to mention uh, who right, obviously finished uh, on P5. Yes, I'm going to say 37. I'm going to go a little bit higher. I'm going to go, well, I've, I've written down 65, but I'm trying, to, I'm trying to play this a little bit more tactical. So I'm going to go with 38. So if it's more, then I'll score that point. Okay. Um, okay. But I would, have, I would have said 65. Anyway, that moves me to Piastri, who finished on P6. Going to go with 70. Okay. I'm going to go a little lower than you. I'm going to say 54. All right. Um, that means you're up next with Alonso. Alonso, I'm going to go higher. I'm going to say 78. Oh, that's high. I had initially written yeah, down brave. 55, but um, yeah, let me let me play the tactical game again. I'm going to go with 77. Okay. Okay. I see your strategy. Mm-hmm. Um, that means I'm up for the difficult one, who is Tsunoda, because honestly, it's a tough one. Uh, I think it's a very tough one. Of course, Tsunoda finished, I think that's his highest finishing position this year, or did he finish B... Yeah, and, uh, and he... I no, think he did it finish was, B8 before. I think it was on the Austin weekend, but it was also P8. But um, he finished... But uh, he did get P driver of the day. He got driver of the day this weekend. And, and, and deservedly so. Um, yes, and actually, absolutely. But he did outscore himself in Austin because he also had fastest lap there. Anyway, what I was going to say is that he had a very good race in that 2021 season in Abu Dhabi where I think that was mostly overlooked because of the battle between Hamilton and Verstappen. But uh, I, think he, I think he really likes his track or at least he's very good at it. Um, so yeah. I wonder if, if people had him up a little bit higher. Um, so that uh, I don't know. I'm just still not 100% sure whether I should go for a higher number, but I've written down five. Okay. I'm going to say uh, three people. Three people. All right. That means you're up next with Lewis Hamilton on P9. Ooh. I'm going to go with a low number here. I'm going to say 10 people. I've written down that I'm going to first see what you predict and then see if i'm gonna go over or under because it's a tough one eh? <laughs> it's a very tough one it is uh, a tough one it is I, I think it might just be a little higher i'm gonna say 11 just in case um i did write down 15 initially but yeah i'll, I'll go with 11 um, but this one is a tough one to to call stroll on p10 i'll go with 50. okay i'm going to say i'm gonna say lower than that i'm gonna go with 26 hmm. yeah that's 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 a bit lower um we have yeah. the fastest lap remaining and that one's for you sam well that was max right so yeah i'm gonna go with a pretty high number here and say 224 
Really, that's uh, that I, I feel is quite low, actually. You're saying a high number. I'm, I'm okay. thinking it must be... I had written down 425. <laughs> um, okay, but, okay. Um, well, you're probably I'm right. Gonna, I'm going to take, I'm gonna take that um, tactical game again, and I'm going to put 225, uh, just trying to go over um, okay. your number. Um, so let's see. Okay, I actually... Um, I need to set things up because I really didn't want to see things, so I haven't even things let me just go on my game sheet and see if I've already know okay this is gonna take a bit perhaps give a little interlude and talk a little bit about something that you feel has yet to be mentioned about this season has yet to be mentioned I mean let me think to myself you know what I would say one thing two things that I would mention is the return of Ricardo I I think many people were happy to see Ricardo return. And then, of course, there was a lot of pressure put on Perez towards the end of this season for his driver's seat because there was rumors, as there always is, but rumors more importantly that Ricardo may be uh, the top man in the running to secure Perez's seat if, if his performance continued to struggle. Uh, although we do see now that Perez is holding his seat going into 2024, but I think that that's still questionable depending on his performance. And then I would say that Liam Lawson, during the period that Ricardo wasn't available, I think that he had a fantastic run, although it was brief. He managed to really be able to create a name for himself to be, or at least to be in conversation for a driver that could maybe take a seat into 2024 or maybe 2025. But uh, but if the conversation that we have at a later date about Williams and Sargent and him not having a position going into next year, I think that Lawson, if Red Bull is willing to part, may be, the, uh, may be a candidate. That was a really good interlude. I think I finished calculating yeah, the things probably about <laughs> 20 seconds into it. But that was a great interlude. Oh, let's go oh, back perfect. to the scores, though. Perfect. Let's go back to the scores. Okay, um, now let's go. All right. So the first one was for Stappen. And, um, okay, well, probably people are going to think I did peak, but I really didn't. Uh, it was 498. So that means that's my point because I went with 490. You went with 423. Okay. Uh, we moved to Leclerc. Um, you had 99. I had 105. It was 224 people. Oh, wow. That's a big yeah. number. Yeah, it is. Um, and since my guess was higher than yours, um, I'm going to take that point too. My pen stops writing, so let me switch pens. All right. Um, we're going to go to Russell. Russell, you went with 27. I went with 35. It was 25 people. So that point Ooh. is for you. You were only two away. Okay. Yeah. We move on to Perez. We were guessing much lower than, than the actual number was. You went with 78. I went with 65. I already felt it wasn't high enough. It was 128. So that point goes to you as well. So we're at a draw 2-2. Two, two. Okay. Then we move to Norris or Nussel, like I said. Nussel. I know what I said. <laughs> yeah. Um, you had 37. I went with the tactical choice for 38. It was 58. So that's my point. That point goes to you. Yeah. Piastri, you had 54. I went with 70. 
um, there was 50 people. So that point oh, goes close. to Sam. Yes. Okay. Yeah, that was a good. That was a very good guess. Four four uh, people away from the right number. Alonso, you went with 78. I went with 77. It was 62. That was pretty close on both our parts, isn't it? Yeah, that, that was uh, pretty close. I'm actually, I'm just looking at whether I would have scored if I would have gone with my initial guess. Yeah, I would have still have taken it. All right, okay. Um, it's uh, three against four in my favor. And we go to Tsunoda. Do you remember how many people you went with for Tsunoda? I said three, I believe. And I said five, and it was five people. Wow, so okay, I, I, I so you were on the money. Point. Yes. Um, we were both close, but I mean, you were you you were accurate. So, <laughs> talking about being close, P nine Hamilton. Do you remember what you went with? I think I said ten. I went with eleven. It was nine people. So that's your point. Wow, I like the fact that both of us were actually pretty close in our predictions overall. That's that's uh, that's probably the closest that I've ever come in in on an average, and uh, and you've been pretty close too. So. What's the yeah, score it's, now? It's, it's four against five right now. And we have two left. We have Stroll on P10 and we have fastest lap. Mm -hmm. um, Stroll, you went with 26. And mm -hmm. I went with 50. And it was 63 people. So um, oh, that means okay. that's also my point. It's six against four. Uh, but we can have a look at the fastest lap, which I also okay. took. <laughs> oh. Because uh, it was actually 363 people. That's a large number. Yeah, so uh, that was um, much larger than what you went with initially. And with my tactical mm -hmm. one more, I went um, I went on to pick that point, grab it just right out of front of you. So it's seven against four. Well, you know, you can't win them all. I mean, actually, what am I talking about? How many have I actually won? So that's fine. Better luck next year. <laughs> I think you did win a few, though. Uh, let's also not I did, talk I down did. your I'm performance completely. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm being modest, but yeah. uh, but you know, there's there's next year and plenty more tries to hopefully get a more get a more consistent record. That's right, and um, I think for for all of you listening, it's. Um, it's exactly the same thing for the Forecast F1 game. It's uh, another year in 2024 to um, hopefully get a higher point tally. And um, for those of you who went on to play only somewhat in the, the middle of the season or towards the end of the season, of course, you can start 2024 from the beginning of the season. So that's very exciting too. And um, think about it beforehand, who you want to play against. Are there any friends that you have or family that uh, are also watching Formula One that you would like to um, yeah, to play this game against and see who has more, well, I wouldn't say more knowledge, more predicting knowledge, because, you know, in the end of the day, we can really see that um, it's not about knowing more about Formula One. It's about, well, I don't know what it's about. It's about going with your gut <laughs> and just, you know, be lucky here and there and, and score some good points. Um, but, um, yeah, or are there any, what, what tactics do you play, uh, Sam, to, to score points? Well, I mean, at the start of the season, I was putting a lot more thought into it. I was looking at the track and doing track specific and, and the cars that would usually do well, depending, and the record so far of the driver. So I, I was putting a lot more thought into it. And as the season progressed, I started more so relying on my gut. And, you know, sometimes it paid off and in others it didn't. But we'll see how next year progresses. I think once we start to see 
testing and we see the first race and really where all the cars are at to begin, then we'll have a better idea as to really, at least I will, as to how I'm going to make my predictions. All right. Well, um, uh, I guess depending on which day you're listening to, there's a, a countdown of uh, Sam. You were you were keeping track of it. How many days is it from from the Sunday until the next race? Yeah, uh, 97 as of today, I believe, and uh, and I will definitely be counting down the days. Eagerly. That's until race day, or that's until qualifying, or the first practice session. Which which day uh, do you, are you counting towards? I believe that is that is until the start of the first race weekend, which would be a practice session. So, yeah, let's see. And uh, and I'm and I'm looking for even prior to that. You know, 97 days isn't a lot of time, but even before that, we're going to see the livery reveals, which I always look forward to, and uh, we're going to see the testing. So I'm. It, it's not going to be long until you and I will be having, <laughs> we'll be talking about that. So I can't wait. All right. Well, I hope to see all of you back for next season. Forecast F1. Yes, absolutely. Look forward to it. It's been a great season so far and a lot more uh, ahead, a lot more excitement. I can't wait to, I can't wait to, uh, well, sorry. I, I have to, <laughs> my cat's meowing like crazy. Maybe.